Welcome, Dr. James Beckett, Sports Card Insights. Here with Frank Estella, we're going to talk about the amazing group of collectors that we both ran around with back in the 70s and, and later. Detroit, a real hotbed, one of the epicenters of the collecting in the hobby back in those days when I was getting rolling. But first, thanks sponsors, Beckett Media, Beckett Grading, Beckett Authentication, ComC.com, Burbank Sports Cards, Mike Stadium Sports Cards, Heritage Auctions, Hugs and Scott Auctions, and then Tops Panini and Upper Deck. So great sponsors and a great guest, Frank Costello. Welcome. We're going to talk about some of our mutual friends. I guess they were weekend friends for me. I came to some regular shows and true of almost every one of them, that they didn't take it so seriously, that they didn't have a lot of fun. And that probably started with Charlie Brooks, who really epitomized that attitude. I think he made some money, but it wasn't about the money. He just enjoyed the the action and, and the fellowship. One thing I can say about Charlie, I, to me, he was a little bit ahead of his time too, because he was pretty good at marketing. When I first uh, saw his ad in the Detroit News, this is probably in 1975, and I went to his store and he was advertising that he was selling 1975 top sets. I went in there and I said, hey, I saw your ad in the paper. We, we started chatting and he said, said, I got these big boxes of 1972 tops cards. If you want, he said, they're, they're 800 count boxes and I'll give them to you for $5 a box. So I bought two boxes. And when I got home, he left everything in there. There was the mazes, there was the errands, there was high numbers. There was even a 72 Opeachy baseball cards in there. It was phenomenal. And right away, I'm saying to myself, I'm going back there to buy more stuff because this is wonderful to get all these cards. He absolutely, he was a master marketer. I'm not denying that. But as for pricing, he wasn't one of my sources for the price guides because he was, he, he had a lot of lost leaders there, Frank. But what did he do? He brought a new person into the hobby and he brought a bunch of new people into the hobby. His store was very welcoming, not well organized. But again, the marketing aspect, he made it fun. His shows were disorganized, but they were almost like trade nights. I just think he wasn't a business person first. He was just a guy that had vision for what it could become. But, but he didn't price things. He priced things aggressively low. Yeah, he did. He sold a lot of things in bulk. That's the one thing I remember about him. And, and that's uh, the one thing I can tell you I bought a lot of, uh, from him was bulk deals. Yes. And yes. the price was always right. And like I said, he'd keep stars in there. He'd keep high numbers. It was wonderful to go in there and buy something because when you got it home and started going through it, you were really excited. So that that's one of the things I always liked about him. He was really friendly and very welcoming. You're right. When you walked in that store, totally disorganized. But there was some kind of method to his madness. An ambassador for our industry. And one of the first guys I met with him, who also was a very personable guy, was Tom Tushak. Who was in deals with uh, Charlie and set up and stuff. And uh, again, didn't take things so seriously, but he really enjoyed the hobby. Tom, unfortunately, uh, passed away. Probably it's been, I think, 10 years. We used to set up next to each other at Gibraltar. And then he moved down to Florida and unfortunately uh, was playing tennis one day and came home and had a heart attack and, and passed away. But but Tom was a neat individual in that he was a teacher at Lakeview High School. And the first day of class, he would always tell his students, hey, look, I collect baseball cards. He said, if your mom and dads are buying you, you know, Hostess cupcakes and Twinkies, I'll buy those back panels from you. And he quoted them some kind of price. And he was really good to me. He was a good networker. By telling the students about things like that, he was getting in a lot of inventory that way. And and him and Charlie, I, I remember them going out on buying trips, similar to, I think you've talked about it before, where you'd go to hotels and set up shop at a hotel and put an ad in the local paper. They were able to make some you know, tremendous buys, and that, that's how they got a, a ton of inventory. I also know usually like Charlie, Tom Tushak, Denny Hafley, I think, went on uh, a couple of those buying trips with them, although I think Denny was more into uh, sports books and magazines and things of that nature. I don't 
remember him being heavily into cards, but I, I remember him more maybe into the memorabilia and things like that. And I think Eddie Budnick probably went on Ed a call. The memorabilia guy, yeah, yeah, very much. And Ed's passed away now too. Yes, right? yeah. I'm national dealer, but yeah. and I don't know if that's been five years, 10 years maybe. I don't. Yeah, it's, a bit, it's been about five years since he passed away. There's another man that was just a, a wonderful human a being, <laughs> a, a mentor to me. Always very nice to me. I bought a lot of nice things from him. You know, he bought some things from me too. He's another person that had that sharp eye. He knew something had value or, or was a piece that you weren't going to see very often. And he was very astute about that. He was very fair with how he paid you too for things like that. I never felt like uh, anything he bought from me, he was trying to take advantage of me or anything like that. He was just a wonderful individual, great to talk to. Somebody that if you acquired a card and maybe didn't know what it was, I'd, I'd take it to, to either him or Tushak or Charlie, and, and they tell me this is what it is. I remember Tom, another thing he told me that I thought was cool is he said, I understand you got a family and things like that, and there's this that you want. Get some type cards. You don't have to buy the whole set. So if you want something from 1910, maybe you buy one or two T206s, or, or maybe you buy something from the 20s. Just buy one or two cards. To just start a tight card type collection. And, and that was really cool. I did that for a, quite a long time, just trying to uh, acquire maybe one or two cards from a, a set that I probably couldn't afford at that time. So those guys were very forthcoming with information. They never tried to hide anything. They were just regular guys uh, that, that really loved card collecting and, and really loved maybe the, the thrill of making some deals too. When we were at Gibraltar, we were all usually set up real close to each other. So that was always fun having those guys around and being able to chat with them. You know, that reminds me of a, a guy who was difficult to trade with for me, which is Charlie Conlon. Yeah. And uh, but he had some great stuff and he was very selective in what he was going for and was very knowledgeable about the sets that he collected. But he was a tough trader. He, he liked the old hot dog type things. Yeah, he had probably the biggest Glendale collection I, I knew of. I don't know if you remember. He also was really into 75 minis. He, he tried to corner the market. I don't yeah. think he did, but somehow he found a source for cases. Yeah. And it, it fueled his hobby for many years that he'd pull out another case. And then he essentially converted it to, to Glendale meats cards or other really tough hot dog cards and things like that. He had a real eye for quality. He had some really good 30 stuff too, as I recall. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Wilson Franks and Wilson's and stuff. Yeah. In the Detroit ecosystem, there were some amazing collectors in there, some fabulous collections. Did you overlap with uh, John Ramirez when he was still in the Detroit area? Uh, no, I knew who he was. I might have, I, I remember the name from Moved some to, of the early shows that I went yeah, to, but. Yeah, maybe an individual that you might remember was Doug Nagley. Yeah, Doug, Doug hung around with Tom Tushak and yes. and Ed and those guys. He's super, and super friendly. Doug was. Yeah, Dougie's still alive. He doesn't do much in in the card world anymore. Uh, every once in a while, he'll do some things, maybe with the Diem brothers, with Mark and Jimmy. Yeah, Mark and Jim, but yeah. I I haven't seen Doug at a show in in years. I, I get a Christmas card from him, but when I knew him, he was still heavily involved in collecting and selling and trading and things of that nature. And then he he got out of it there and. He was one of the friendliest guys. He's one of the friendliest guys. Now, I, I still see the Deems, Jim and Mark, at the Nationals. Yeah. Uh, most Nationals, they used to be set up across from Ed Budnick, but Ed's, I think, not obviously going to be there now. Did you ever, Dick Royce, you remember him? He lived more outside of Detroit, but he'd be at the Detroit shows. He had to bring his oxygen. That's how dedicated he was. Okay. I, 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 him, I don't remember. I do remember John Stoneman, though, that started Sports oh, Collector's God. Digest. And actually, I bought my first subscription to it from him at a show because they used to, as you remember, they used to set up at shows, sell cards, but also sell subscriptions. Right. I, I don't know. Do you remember Jim Hawkins? He was a writer for the Detroit Free Press 
and the Oakland press, but he's the one that ran a lot of the Dearborn shows. I remember being at some of the Dearborn shows, but it just was so casual. Everything was looser in those days. My days of setting up at shows were, was mainly in the 70s. I had a theft at one of those shows in, in the Detroit area, and it's notable because I only had two thefts in my life uh, of stolen f- from on top of my table. And I realize now, I, I think I was lulled into it. The trusting nature of the guys we're talking about were quality guys. I'm not suspecting any of them, but some guys came up to my table. A couple of them kept me busy. And the third guy just took this little stack of cards and put it in his bag. And then when I looked up, I'm missing a stack of really good cards. But I think that's the exception. I just, I had so many positive ex- experiences in the Detroit area. Those shows were fun. The people were fun and profitable because there was good stuff there. I don't know if you remember Larry Pelopioni. Yeah. Uh, Larry sold jerseys. Yeah. Yeah. yeah Larry's still alive. Yeah. He's living in Florida. I communicate with him now and then. And Ultra uh, personable guy. Yeah. Great guy. Very great sad. guy. Yeah. yeah. In fact, he worked for, I don't know if you remember, he worked for the Michigan Stags, the yeah. WHA hockey team right, right. as their PR guy. He was, again, somebody that was very glib. He could talk. He he was very personable, very friendly. Another person that would, if you had a question, you were going to get a really good answer from him. And, and another guy that never big timed, just a good down to earth guy, Kenny Tybersky. He was a young guy. He's younger than I am. Towards the latter end of Ed's lifetime, him and Kenny used to set up together at Gibraltar. And I think Kenny used to help him load and unload and stuff like that, because that stuff was getting pretty tough for, for Ed yeah. towards the end. But but they were really good guys. You know, you know the, the Detroit area, like I said, was one of the epicenters. You're mentioning that SCD was founded down south of Detroit, I guess, a little bit. Like I said, I had that one theft incident. But other than that, I just had totally positive experiences. When I look back at, at my development in this industry, and the mentors I had and the learning experiences I had, being in Bowling Green and being able to pop up to Detroit was fundamental to my growth and understanding. Great collectors, great dealers, like we're saying, not very pretentious. They all seemed to be like ambassadors for the hobby. They were, and, and they had fun. When they were at a show, they had fun, and they made it fun for you, too, because they were very personable. They they would work with customers. Obviously, the more you can grow a hobby or the more you can grow something, the more lucrative it could eventually be for you if you're just nice to people and if you're friendly with them. And, and those guys, like I said, they were very willing to educate you on things that you had limited or little to no knowledge of. I always respected all of them, and I really enjoyed my time being around them, and, and especially the old days in Charlie's Sport Hobby Show or in the store there. That place, I, I tell people, you walked in there, and there was stuff all over the place. There was no organization. He could have a stack of 52 topses sitting in one, in one case and hockey right next to it and football right next to that. It was magazines over here, newspapers over here, gloves over here. There was just stuff all over the place. And every time I walked in there, it was like a new, I loved it. I think security was also not one of the strengths. But one thing I would say, because I'm trying to compile an episode eventually for kind of the seven wonders of the collecting world and some of the amazing collections or places where there's a lot of cards and some of the Larry Fritch's barn and stuff like that. I basically think I was both underwhelmed and overwhelmed the buildup of the sport hobbyist store that I went to that I'd heard about for years as a fledgling collector. I thought this is going to be the Taj Mahal. <laughs> and in some respects, <laughs> it exceeded my expectations in its breadth, but it was pretty underwhelming in some other ways. But then Charlie was larger than life. And if you're known by the people you hang out with, he hung out with the 
some really good guys. I treasure the years that I was up in Bowling Green and, and, and close to Detroit. I've been in Texas now since 1980. So it seems like that's a long time, but I've been able to get up there for shows occasionally back in the day and touch base. Frank Costello, thanks for uh, helping me walk down memory lane for some of these great guys that we both uh, remember uh, fondly. And some of them are still around. I hope some of the ones we've talked about will pop in at the Chicago National, which I hope will uh, come off this year. We can fist bump or do whatever they allow us to then. And keep up the good work on your golf uh, pro lessons. The man that-